not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? What prevents us all from killing you? Taking what we want. If you had spoken such insolence to Java, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please, speak freely. Everybody and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, and he's Steve, and I want to turn riding the Rancor in episode 261 today, February 10th, 2022. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is the Book of Boba Fett Season 1 Review. It should be no surprise, but we're going to say it anyway, that this particular episode of Joygasm will be filled with spoilers. So you want to make sure that uh, you know what you're getting into because we're going to be going all over the place analyzing this particular show. We're going to be going all up in it, Russ. All up in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <sighs> exactly. Uh, man, where to start? Where to yeah, Russ, what Start. do you do? You uh, click play and something happens and you form an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, your insight <laughs> is dizzying. Mm. But it's the truth, isn't it, not Russ? <laughs> Steve, I want to know, um, what do you think of the film overall? A film, Russ? A little bit longer than a film, don't you think? Well, I suppose mm. technically it's a show. What did you think yeah. of the? Well, I mean, it, it, it's basic. It's shot like a film. Anyway, yeah, shot like a film. We obviously. shall adhere to the correct platform. Mm. Steve, what did you think of the Disney Plus show of the book of Boba Fett? <sighs> well, I did enjoy it, Russ. Ah! I did enjoy it quite a bit. I I think I enjoyed the Mandalorian a bit more. Mm. Um, but that's not saying this was softy. <laughs> this was a six pack on its own feet, Russ. Oh, really? Running around, I enjoyed it. I uh, I, I liked it quite a bit, Russ. Really? This one uh, started off with a pang, a pow, and a pooey, and uh, kept going on to episode five. Kind of confused me a little bit, not because it was bad. We can get into that a little bit later, but not because it was. 
it just took a different turn. Like we just were on the book of Boba Fett and then we just kind of split off and then we, yeah, come on back. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, but I mean, I, I liked what I watched. I mean, uh -huh. I was entertained. I liked the whole thing. I just kind of thought, well, that's, we devoted a whole episode to nothing Boba Fett. And then we kind of came back. In, indeed. Yes. Um, this series gave me a lot of what I like, Russ. Really? It did. Um, you know, I got to thinking. You know, a side topic here, not to uh, go too far from the TOD, but um, so my wife and I are watching like the whole Lord of the Rings series right now. Uh-huh. And one thing that was coming to my mind uh -huh. was how committed the actors are uh -huh. to all of their roles. And then I got to thinking about Boba. And then we went for some tea. I'm just kidding. Eleven <laughs> Zs, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the the actor, oh, I forgot the name. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. He's he is committed to his role. I mean, we haven't seen him since like what episode two and three, I believe, of uh, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And now he's back, and he's picking up his helmet and his guns and his fighting style. And it's like he hasn't missed a day. Uh, the actor of Boba Fett is Tamura Morrison. I, I want to say if I'm pronouncing it correctly. If only you had a computer. Yes. With the interwebs linked oh, to it. I got it right. Well, I mean, uh, it is correct. Uh, I, I just hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, but yes, Tamura uh, Morrison is the gentleman's name who mm. plays Boba Fett. Yes. Um, so anyhow, I just, I really enjoyed like his commitment to the role. It made me like jump right back into, uh, loving the character. Ah. And, um, I loved having his, uh, assassin right hander there as well. I, I'm, I'm bad at names, Russ. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, are you, are you referring to Phoenix Shand? Yes. Yes. Russ. Um, the show just gives me a lot of what I enjoy seeing. And I, I would like, like this, like tonight I was thinking this would be a comic book that I would read. Like I would watch the movie, get the books, play the video game, like everything. I want to be a part of this world. Sure. I want to be totally enveloped in it. Um, I just love like the, the shooting and the fighting and um, like the, the, the reservation at the same time. That's not like this overconfident, uh, boisterous, like oh, I'm a badass. Everybody has to, you know, worship me sort of thing. It's like this cool, calm, strong, silent type awesomeness. Really? I like it, Russ. Oh. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm what, are you picking up what I'm throwing down here? What do you think? I, you know, I got to say, I'm actually uh, surprised. Surprised? Uh, yeah, I am surprised at uh, what you thought of the show. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I really thought that you would say something else, and he has not. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's cool. It's like we're not even related. <sighs> well, we, it's well, actually we, for that very reason why I was thinking you were going to say something else. <laughs> What were you? What were you gonna <laughs> tell me, Rush? What did you think I was gonna say? I'm curious now. You are a bit of a wild card when it comes I to am. Star Wars, because uh, there have been times in the past where I would think that you would like something, uh -huh. but then you 
may not like it, or maybe you'll like it, but not as much as I would think. Like you, you're kind of here and I thought you'd be here. Um, but then there are other times where it's more or less like, like eye to eye in terms of, of uh, our enjoyment level of it. But it's, it's, yeah, it, it is one of those properties where I tend to be the, the one that actually really gets into it. And you're like, give me a, give me an example. Um, Rogue one, um, okay. You know, was a film that I really liked. There were some issues I had with it, but they were they were very few. Sure. Uh, but overall, I really, really um, thought that they did a fantastic kind of recall of like kind of the OG uh, Star Wars trilogy era, if you will. But I remember you were not as I thought it was okay. Yeah. See, like, like it's yeah, it's it, that kind of thing. Yeah, so like it wasn't every time, bad. It, but I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I, there was nothing like terribly wrong with it. It just didn't really grab me by the ghoulies. Yeah. So like you know, with every Star Wars property that they create in terms of like a film or a show or whatever, uh, I'm always curious to know what you thought. Yeah. I mean, just, just because I have no idea, like I'll think, Oh, you know, eh, I thought it was this, but then, you know, so it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's fun for me to be able to look forward to these moments where I, I have no, I mean, it keeps it things fresh for me because I have no idea. It's not like, Oh yeah, I know Steve's going <laughs> to, you know, every time he's going to, he's going to feel like this right. or whatever. So, so yeah, no, I, I'm really uh, surprised, uh, that, um, that, that you have a lot of uh, good things to say about the show. I just, I appreciate that they, you know, this is a, the whole universe of Star Wars. Just to me, it really needs to be handled with like white gloves. And as long as they show respect to the series mm. and give the fans what they want to see and what they want to hear, that's all we really need to like just spend our time and, and money. It's just that... A lot of the Star Wars that we've received as of late, and I will say like, you know, last few years, it just seems like they're giving us just lip service, really. And they go, oh, we're, as long as we release something of Star Wars, then we'll get paid sort mm -hmm. of thing. And I see right through it. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 what I'm watching on screen is not satisfying at all whatsoever. I'm like, man... Lucas had such the imagination, like, and and plenty of the fan base has imagination. Like, there's plenty of people you you can hire and, sure. and have this overpouring of ideas, and they just like this is the best you have, you know. Anyway, I don't want to go down that road. Positivity, Russ. Oh, positivity. Staying positive. <clears throat> um. Well, so, uh, so I'll jump in with my thoughts. Yeah. Um. What's interesting is that I'm I'm still kind of processing through my overall feeling of the show. I can say uh, up front, to me, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Oh, really? Indeed. Do tell. It's a bit of a mixed bag. I ended up making a bit of um, just a list here because I wanted to just make sure I, I didn't forget to, you know, uh, overturn any rock. No. You know, be able to look at the grubs underneath, underneath there. Yeah, before the, you squished them all again. Exactly. <laughs> So the, the ongoing theme that I have in my mind is how throughout this show, they had lots of good ideas, but how they went about executing on those ideas, I feel like was a bit flawed at times. Hmm. So to give you an idea, like the flashbacks, right? Um, I really like the idea of the flashbacks. I think it's really cool to, to look at a character like Boba Fett, who is shrouded in mystery, you know, a uh, man of few words. 
clearly he's a survivor. He's had all kinds of stuff happen that we don't even know about yet, that there's all these kind of like these untold stories and stuff, right? But I felt as though what they decided to go with instead was how they, they spent a significant amount of time with him, you know, first being a prisoner of the sand people and then kind of, uh, joining their clan and, and, or tribe and, and really having appreciation for what it is that, that they do as a species, as a culture, um, with their, their traditions and that sort of thing. And in, in a sense, like, that is, it is cool in its own way, but at the same time, we've already seen some of that in the Mandalorian. When we were watching the Mandalorian show, there were moments where Mando was communicating with the sand people. There were certain moments in Tatooine where like, you know, it wasn't as much of a deep dive as what they as what they did with the uh, book of Boba Fett. Clearly, like, like I mean, we really, like, yeah. became right. part of the Sand People tribe. But to me, it's like, you know, we, even though we didn't do as much of a deep dive in The Mandalorian, we've already kind of explored that in a way where, like, you have, you literally have a Mandalorian and, you know, Bubble Fett, you know, <laughs> whether, like, he is is doing all of the the parts of the religion or not or keeping his helmet on he is also mandalorian so you see this kind of repetition thing and i was thinking in my head i was like you know what if if i was if i was the the creator of the show if i was directing the show what i would do is actually i would i would use the flashbacks because i think that that's a really really neat vehicle for a character like boba fett but what i would do is is i would have flashbacks when he was out bounty hunting as a galactic bounty hunter. And you'd see flashbacks of um, how he would have to deal with being under Jabba the Hutt's rule and like the different types of contracts he'd have to go out and do and like the different types of, of characters he'd come across and meet. Maybe some he'd forge alliances with, others he'd forge rivalries with. Maybe there'd be some arch nemesis that with close encounters and close calls and that sort of thing that you'd see. But the idea is, is that we are reinforcing the notion that Boba Fett is this extremely well-known and feared like galactic bounty hunter. And so it was kind of weird to watch the show be so focused on Tatooine because once again, Tatooine is one of the, the outer rim planets. And so like, I don't know, like, like I was going back and forth with that because I think for me as a big Boba Fett fan, I was anticipating that that part of the book of Boba Fett would be to really start to explore some of that when it comes to the flashbacks and whatnot. Uh, another, um, example would be, so the, the, the taking over of Jabba's palace, right? So like he wanted to, to basically be the, the next, um, ruler in charge of, of the palace, sure. right? Really great idea. I love that idea. You know, it's very much like a coming of age, you know, Jabba obviously is no more. His, his whole gang is no more. So now you have Boba Fett taking over and whatnot. However, the execution of um, the recruiting, I felt, was bad. And it was interesting how, like, like you had certain instances where you had, like, the Gamorreans that, that, um, that he recruited. He, had, like, he found, like, two of sure. them. That was really cool because, again, it echoes what was in Jabba's posse, right? With, with the, you know, you got you to gotta have some Gamorreans in the palace, right? Like, they just look fantastic. 
But then you have these other instances where like he's going out and he's recruiting like, like just these kind of like little um, youth gangs that are local, the local youth gangs within uh, Mos Espa. And to me, it's like, this is Boba Fett. Like I would have loved to have seen him begin to recruit some of his old alliances. Again, if, if, I was in the director's chair and we're seeing all these flashbacks going on of like Boba's previous adventures and all the crazy stuff going on where he's like taking prisoners or maybe taking no prisoners. You never know. But then as he builds his own gang, be able to then call in favors, be able to call in those alliances that maybe he hasn't been in touch with for the last like, you know, 10, 20 plus years. And so then that acts as a vehicle to then start bringing in, you know, bounty hunter after bounty hunter after who knows what kind of like characters that we have maybe seen briefly in the previous Star Wars trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy, or maybe some new faces overall. And I think that that would would also give much more of a sense of screen presence and threat because the, the youth that we saw in there... Um, and we, we'll talk more about that in a bit, but like, you know, I just felt like I just, I wasn't on board with it. Like I was just thinking Boba Fett is so much more connected uh, and he, and just, you know, you know, you hear the phrase, like someone's like worldly, right? Like, like they know everything. Well, sure. He transcends worldly. I mean, he, outer. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got the, the kind of galactic street smarts, if you will. So there was that. Another example would be, Showing um, Luke Skywalker again, fantastic. They did a wonderful job, in my opinion, of the portrayal of Luke. I mean, it looked like Luke Skywalker, and not only that, but like just the 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 concept of how we got to see him start to build his Jedi Academy on the planet and that sort of thing was super super cool. But then I felt as though. Grogu making the choice to come back to Mando, I think was not the best idea. And again, I'm conflicted with this one because I, you know, I absolutely love the chemistry and the relationship that Mando has with Grogu. Having said that though, I feel as though we've already, as the audience explored this relationship through the first two seasons of the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And I don't want this relationship to almost like shackle the storytelling of the Mandalorian, because they're all obviously they're, they're going to be making more seasons of the Mandalorian. Right. And again, I'm talking as an outsider looking in, I clearly don't know like, like what kind of long-term plans they have for the characters and that sort of thing. But I did feel as though the way that season two of the Mandalorian ended, it was a nice book into that relationship. And maybe like, yeah, they could, they can bump into each other here and there as in future seasons and that sort of thing. But I just feel as though that was something that could have been executed better in a way, because I do feel like now it's setting it up where like when season three of the Mandalorian commences, we're going to be once again, seeing him trucking around Grogu everywhere. And I just, I don't want that to, to sour, right? Like I don't want to like get bored of that because I really love like what they done with that so far. Anyway, I can pick that up. Ross. I I can see what you're saying there. I mean, I kind of know what I'm stepping in. Yeah. Peachy. Um, 
So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I kind of I started to allude to that because that whole episode was just all Mandalorian. And, you know, he's back with the uh, the forger and the big buff guy. And then they have this duel and whatever. You're like, OK, can we wait, wait, what are you talking about? Episode five. Episode five is all the Mandalorian. Oh, OK. And uh-huh. he brings the spear to that his council or I don't even want to head of. Essentially, Mandos. like you know, the survivors <laughs> of of the Mandalorian right. tribe that yeah. he was, and he you know he associated they, with, yeah, they they forge it down to make uh, chainmail, basically Beskar chainmail for Grogu, yeah. And then that whole episode's him like, I want to see the kid, sort of thing. I'm like, okay, I get it, cool. Why am I watching this now? Like, yeah. shouldn't this be on like the next season, you know, sort of thing? And then we had like two minutes at the end when the uh, sniper chick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Comes and says, hey, you know, we need you as muscle. And he's like, okay, I'll do it on the house. Sort of thing. I thought, okay, so we, did we just like interweave Wait, wait, are you shows? talking about Ahsoka or Phoenix Stand? That one, yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so that whole show, I mean, we only have seven episodes. So, I mean, like the series is not very long. Right. And so we kind of just had six episodes because this one wasn't, you know, Number episode five wasn't really Boba Fett. It was Mandalorian. Arguably, I would say episode five and episode six were not. And that was one of the the surprises from the show that, again, it, it goes back to that reoccurring theme of mixed bag where it's like, on the one hand, I did not expect at all for the show to all of a sudden veer over and and focus on the Mandalorian for a while. I mean, we, we actually, I mean, if you think about it, we pretty much got like two Mandalorian episodes within the book of Boba Fett. I think that that's actually a pretty smart move on their behalf, because I think when they were making the show, they knew that, that Boba Fett as a character is popular, but I think also there was a multi-pronged ideology that was going on where they, like if they put Mando in, then people are going to totally watch it because it's Mandalorian. <laughs> Who doesn't love Mando, right? Right. But it's not limited to that. I think also, too, they wanted to have this kind of crossover event go on, which was very successful. I would say that was one of the the ingredients that made the show a success overall was like they're not um, isolating these characters and, and keeping them siloed within their respective shows, we're actually starting to see kind of more of this organic mm. uh, ecosystem that they live in that they can kind of drop in and out of. And, it, and actually, when I think of Mandalorian season two, that was like the big grand reveal of Boba Fett coming out and uh, kicking some booty. Right. Um, and you mentioned the uh, like the street thugs, like the little gang there. Right. And so we had... Um, the actor who's Red Stapler guy from Office Space, who was the water broker guy. That now uh, see that that guy, <laughs> he doesn't he didn't bother me in the no, show. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just alluding to something here, Ross. Oh, I'm just I didn't know if you were alluding to the fact that you did not like his performance or you did. No. But I'm mentioning that he had this this speech saying how like the, the these thugs had modified themselves to be yes. like cyborgs and i thought okay here we go cyberpunk let's see how cool <laughs> they can be and then they never really did anything with it like they weren't like he was saying how strong they were and that but they didn't really exhibit any strength and they had all these you know gadgets and stuff like in their face and yeah we kind of saw that but they didn't like 
see through walls or see like sure. you know, x-ray of anybody or improve their aim any or anything like that. So I, they were just kind of like thugs, I guess. Yeah. Um, I could see why though. I mean, he was, Boba Fett was kind of desperate in a way. I mean, all he had was his right hand person and that's it to rule a palace and that place is pretty big with only just the two of them and the city wasn't really receptive to him and so what's he going to do um so i think i maybe that wasn't the best choice but it was the only choice really for him i think that this is yet another example of what i was talking about earlier which is you have these good ideas but the way that they're executed i think um, in some cases were bad yeah. you know when I when I talked about how um, you know Boba Fett was in the, this period of recruitment, it's this weird balance where like they want to portray how Boba is feeling a bit desperate in terms of trying to gain stature and status and respect and all and like just being able to um, shore up his own kind of little posse or or gang or whatever you want to call it, but. I think that's where, you know, you run into a problem because like with that type of example that you gave with like the red stapler guy from, from office space, um, <laughs> what, you know, I, I really, I always like his performances in every movie I've seen him in. He, he's always a great actor, but the, the thing is, is that the show kind of almost like becomes a prisoner unto itself because now they're having to focus on kind of more of like the pettiness of the town or the city. Like Mos right. Espa has its own problems. It has its own local gangs, but honestly, these are all small fries by comparison, like small fish. You know, if you, if you think about once again, this is Boba Fett, right. like Boba Fett has had a crazy amount of experiences in, right. in his life. And I just feel like a lot of this stuff is rather beneath him. And I would have much rather have seen, you know, like, like more of a methodical, um, like I said, calling in favors, calling in, uh, different alliances or, or friends of his or whatever. Um, you know, one of the things that the show did right in this regard was um, actually having Black Cranston, I want to say. Is that how you pronounce the Wookiee's name? Cranston? Cranston? It's always, I always like, yeah. Because they, they nicknamed Santos. So it was like Crisanto or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's something like, it's like Black Crisanton <clears throat> or something like that. But anyway, he was one, you know, the Wookiee was one of the highlights of the show. Right. Like, and he, he comes from the comic books and not only that, but he has a complicated relationship with Boba Fett. And I thought that the show did an excellent job of portraying that where the Wookiee was um, contracted initially from another group to like go and try and take Boba out, but it wasn't anything personal. And then later on, Boba ends up like recruiting him in. I'm like, yes, right. that's exactly the kind of stuff I want to see in the book of Boba Fett. It's just a bummer because we didn't see that consistently going on throughout. And, and like, I think like, like a great visual uh, to, to kind of like, like really zing this home. This, this, this um, idea that I have is like, when you think of empire strikes back and specifically the scene where Darth Vader's on the star destroyer and he has like 
all these different kinds of deadly bounty hunters lined up on there. And he's talking about how, you know, he, he wants to be able to find Han Solo or, and, you know, Princess Leia, that sort of thing. But, you know, he turns to Boba Fett and he says, no disintegrations, <laughs> you know, and he's like, as you wish. The coolest thing about that scene was that it was a very fleeting glimpse into like all of these like deadly bounty hunters and that was all we ever saw. But at the same time, our minds got to fill in just what the, these characters are about and, and how they go about like, you know, uh, stalking their prey. And I mean, it was, it was the coolest thing ever. And that, that's what I want to tap into. And instead of that, we get the, the cyberpunk youth riding these like, colorful mopeds, these space mopeds kind of through too. Mos Espa. They're running that fast. Well, I mean, like, again, like, <laughs> and, and, and this is, you know, I'm, um, you know, as, since we're talking about it. So, uh, yeah. So <laughs> this, yes, Russ. this is one of the issues. It was, it was one of the low points of the show for me was this, this, um, this gang. Um, and I think that, um, the reason behind this is that Robert Rodriguez was um, the director behind the show. Like he direct, I think he directed most if not every single episode. There may have been like a few in there where um, there were some other guest directors that came in. I think in fact, yeah, I'm pretty sure that there was, but overall Robert Rodriguez had a leadership role in the book of Boba Fett. Now, John Favreau was the writer and executive producer. You know, John Favreau is still involved in that sort of thing, but you could tell that Robert Rodriguez's filming style was influencing the Star Wars universe. And that's a bad thing. And I say that with, you know, just, just an addendum to it saying, I'm a fan of Robert Rodriguez. I like his films. Okay. But see, the thing is, is that Star Wars is a unique nut to crack in the sense that there are certain rules that you have to adhere to in order for Star Wars to be Star Wars. Mm. So to give you an idea, for instance, like um, the colorful mopeds, for example, was a complete art direction failure when it comes to Moss Espa, Tatooine, Moss Eisley, and really Star Wars in general. You really don't see that type of design, and you certainly don't see those kind of saturated, rich colors on any kind of vehicles within Moss Espa or Moss sure. Eisley. I mean, like it was, it was so just like. What 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 Doesn't is this? Fit, yeah, and not only that, but then like you look at, at the the youthful gang that that was there, the cyberpunk gang. Honestly, they look like extras from Alita: Battle Angel, which was another Robert Rodriguez film. <laughs> and again, I like Alita: Battle Angel, but again, I don't want to see. Alita battle angel cyberpunk type of art direction in a star Wars film. The two are very different worlds. So that was a, that was kind of like one of the issues I had with that is that, you know, the, the civilization on Tatooine um, and, and more specifically Moss Eisley and Moss Espa, you have already like an incredible amount to work with. And I do think that the show to its credit actually did leverage a lot of those alien species that we've seen in like, like the original star Wars sure. movies. And they've kind of made it in a way where, um, you know, they, they are the kind of like their own little syndicates. Like had, they had their own little like gangs and that sort of thing, <laughs> right. which is cool. Like I, I, I really like that as well, but yeah. Um, you know, another, another thing I noticed too was Danny Trejo 
You know, right. Danny Trejo made a cameo appearance. He Very was the, short. the yeah. caretaker of um, the Rancor. Rancor. Yep. Again, I love me some Danny Trejo. Who doesn't love Danny Trejo? And honestly, this one wasn't as much of like a, a break. Um, I, I actually felt like like he he fit in there really well. Right. But again, it's like knowing that Robert Rodriguez was directing a lot of this, knowing like the different types of creative decisions that were made. Danny Trejo is used by Robert Rodriguez in most of his films. Like it's it's just that again, you start to see this formula going on, and it's like okay. There is absolutely nothing personal or nothing, you know, in terms of like their talent, because they are talented people, but you have to, once again, you have to adhere to those rules of how to make a Star Wars film. So you cannot influence the Star Wars film with your own directing style. You have to be respectful of the source material. And <laughs> the second thing is, is what makes Star Wars Star Wars is hiring unknowns. There is a reason why you have actors like Tom Cruise, for instance, that will never be in a Star Wars movie, or I should say, hopefully will never be in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Not because he's a bad actor, but just because Star Wars, in terms of its secret sauce, you got to think of like the ingredients here. You cast relative unknowns into these roles and that's what makes Star Wars Star Wars because you just buy into it. But if you start to then populate the world with all of these more well-known actors and celebrities and that sort of thing, not so much do you feel like you're a part of Star Wars as much anymore. Now, I understand like, like there are certain exceptions. Like, for instance, you know, Samuel L. Jackson was in Star Wars. <laughs> but if you think about it, uh, Samuel L. Jackson was in Star Wars Episode One, which came out in 1999. If you think about Samuel L. Jackson's work prior to 1999, there really wasn't a whole lot. Eh, you he, had, was, he was pretty well known by then, though. You had Pulp Fiction, which wow. really put him on the map. And you had some other, like, like you know, smaller films that, that had somewhat success, like, you know, The Long Kiss Goodnight, that sort of thing. But if you compare his filmography from then to, like, now... Like, I mean, he's a household name now. Yeah. You see you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I, I thought that way back then when Samuel Jackson was playing that role. I thought, okay, he's going to be a star. I mean, not against the guy, but it kind of just is a mixed kind of flavor, you know? Um, I actually thought that way with Ewan McGregor, to be quite honest. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I thought, I, I'm not really sure if he fits in Star Wars. Now, um, oh, gosh, his... Uh, master, um, Qui-Gon Jinn. Thank you. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. I thought he fit in Star Wars and he's a well-known actor. He's at <laughs> the Taken guy. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah. I love how like, it doesn't matter if it's Star Wars or Marvel. <laughs> and he's like it. behemoth properties. <laughs> like he, he thinks of like the smaller films. You're just like, okay. Um, so anyway, but <laughs> but Danny Trejo, I mean, I actually thought that was kind of funny. Like, oh, Danny, I mean, he kind of fit. Like, if he was going to be in Star Wars, that's the role that he would have. Yeah. You know, and I, he was kind of just in and out. He wasn't, he didn't last very long. I was kind of like, oh, no. Okay. And, and like, that's why I was saying too, like the Danny Trejo thing was more of a smaller thing. It wasn't as big of an issue. It, it was nowhere near as big of an issue as the colorful mopeds or the cyberpunk, um, you know, extras from Alita battle angel. Those were like the big, 
like wincing, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this got approved kind of things. Danny's fine. The main reason why I brought Danny was just because of, of his working relationship with Robert Rodriguez in terms of like, you know, again, if, once you start like recognizing like all these things actually have kind of like this chain reaction or chain of events that go all the way up to the single dude. Right. That's what I was talking about. Gotcha. Here's what I think, Russ. <laughs> I have a theory. So I, here, here's, here's what I, I think that Disney knows how successful the Mandalorian was and they're <laughs> making more episodes, but they need something to kind of fill the gap between like Star Wars stuff to keep the fans happy and keep everybody coming back to Disney plus. Well, honestly, I think Mandalorian is what saved the, fran- the Star Wars franchise because af- at the end of episode nine, like I think that the franchise as a whole was getting close to being on life support. Probably. Probably Russ. I'm not. So anyhow, what I was going to say is, so they have, they have to give the fans something while they're making the next season of The Mandalorian. Now, what else to make than, of course, Boa Fett? Oh, yeah. Because they introduced him in the series. But I don't know if, if it definitely had the budget as The Mandalorian's going to have, A, and B, um, they have to tell you somewhat of a story between... Like, you know, he, he's he's old now. He's not, well, he's not an old guy. But, I mean, he's not the young, sprightly Boba Fett that we had way back when. Let me stop you. Now, this is also one of the situations that I'm having to process through. Because you are right. When it comes to Boba Fett, mm-hmm. he, the actor himself, is an older guy. I mean, I mm-hmm. think... I. I you can Google this. I don't know how old he is. I'm gonna. Yeah, why don't you go? But while he's doing that, you know, one of the thoughts that, that comes to my mind in terms of continuity is that both the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett take place between Episode Six, which is Return of the Jedi, and Episode Seven. He was born in 1960. That doesn't help, Steve. 1960. Okay, so he's like. <sighs> I don't know. Is he in his 60s? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Quick math. <laughs> Carry the two. What's the square down. root of... Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no square Come on, roots brain. What are we learning in junior high? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the last time Public I had to schools. use math was uh, 19... No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's terrible. Uh... Math. No, so I, I no, think if I had to, to guess, it was, he's probably in his early 60s. So again, what I was going to say was that the character of Boba Fett mm. is actually quite younger if you think of the timeline between <laughs> these episodes. So like, you know, episode six, for example, Return of the Jedi, when you, know, yes. you see Luke Skywalker yes. fighting against Boba Fett. Mm. He's clearly younger, thinner, more sprightly, you know, and then, you know, you go from that to then where the Book of Boba Fett takes place. And I don't feel as though the, the, and again, this is nothing personal against the actor because he was awesome as Jango Fett back in the prequels and everything else. But again, I mean, the prequels came out like 20 years ago. What are you going to do? You know, it's a bit of a... um, you know, it's not a deal breaker or anything like that, no. but it is something that is noteworthy, I, w- I would say, in terms of like how 
again, you you have an actor who's in their early 60s who is portraying a character that, quite honestly, should probably be, be more like in his 30s, um, maybe 40s. But I, I mean, 30s seems to be kind of the the right area for, for Boba Fett himself. So it's weird because it's like, well, what do you do in that situation? This is true. But they got to do what they got to do, Russ. They got to work with what they have. Uh-huh. So here, so to continue my thought, which I'm desperately trying to cling on to. <laughs> is it like a greased oil piggy? <laughs> uh, so anyhow, he is trying to put his bounty hunting days beside him. Beside Looking him. To just, just, just settle down. I don't know if he's actually doing that or not. I he think- is. He, he said he's, he's just looking to kind of just rule the city and be a person of respect. And he's not bounty hunting. I think his main priority is he wants to move up. He's he's ready to get some. Okay, he's ready to move he's, up. He's ready for a promotion. Okay, fine. He's ready for a promotion. But he's not going to put his bounty hunting days behind he's, him. He's basically putting his bounty hunt. He can't rule the palace and bounty hunt at the same time. He's Boba Fett. He can do what he wants. Oh, I don't believe it. Anyway, if he's a little uh, bored, it doesn't matter if he's a leader right. of the palace. He's going to go out and do some I'm losing bounting. it. I'm losing it. Oh, oh. Hold so, on to that piggy, Steve. <laughs> so anyhow, I think it was a, a way to tell the story of him like settling down with not doing as much bounty hunting and like him living with the Tuscans. A, showed him kind of like, this is what family is or can be what in which you don't have. Yeah. And B, it kind of transcended into him meeting sniper chick. Transcended or transitioned? Tran, trans, trans union. Trans airways. <laughs> trans Pacific highway. <laughs> anyway, Russ, um, so when we saw those two and the Mandalorian, <laughs> we're like, okay, well, where'd this person come from? Right. How'd they meet? So they had to show that. I'm grateful they did. And it makes sense too, because but neither you nor I have actually watched Star Wars, the Clone Wars. And actually that uh, character got, I believe it, it, it debuted either in the comic books or debuted in Star Wars, Clone Wars. But the folks who have watched that TV well, series Russ. are very well, uh, familiarized. Well, I haven't with that character. However, people like you and I are not, so we did not know. Well, I hear the Clone Wars is good. I hear it's very good. <gasps> Maybe we should watch it. I think you're onto something. <laughs> I think you should come over and watch it with yeah, me. Yeah, watch you come over, Russ. Eh, that's a better idea. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, did you did you explain your whole idea? I did, Russ, but um, you coming over to my house gave me an idea of something else I wanted to say about the show. Oh. I do think there were parts of the show. This is a small little just gripe here, Russ. Not the long list of gripes you have over there. I'm not griping. <laughs> I'm providing analysis. I wish that there were certain scenes where they just you amped up all the, the the sound effects. Like, really give me some, like, just punch in the kisser yeah, sort of, like, bass. some titty twisters. Like, you think of the, the last episode. I'm trying to keep a straight face. And, like, the uh, the Rancor is, like, you're just climbing down. He's King Konging it through. Yeah. You know, the 
Moss Espa, and I got that one right. You did. And Congratulations. High five. <laughs> Thank you. And so then he roars, and it's like, <laughs> you know, instead of like, you know, and just throwing out all these like just sound bass smack in the face kind of sound effects. And I was like, where is it at? It's kind of, you're sp- I'm supposed to be scared and threatened and amazed and frightful. And I'm not. I do think that part of the reason why is because that Rancor, if you recall, it, um, is a pup. It's not it, full it, grown. It is a, I know it's a pup. But that thing's well, got some jaws. experience when I look at, like, hey, say, a puppy Even or pups a can kitten. start to bark and you're like, not shut like an up. adult. You're too noisy. You look at an adult dog. Those things are a lot louder. Anyhow, but you could also say to, like, uh, like episode five, when he gets in the, uh, that, they're rebuilt starfighter ship. What's it called, Steve? I don't know. An M1A1 Abrams tank or something. I don't know what it's called, Rutz. N1 <laughs> starfighter, Steve. <laughs> I had the one right. Didn't I? It's a thing of beauty. <laughs> so, yeah. Doug Chang actually concepted that. Um, thanks, Russ. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, they're talking about, oh, we're going to soup it up. And, oh, it's going to have this motor. And, oh, it's going to be fast. Uh, uh, uh. It's going to be so much better. Like, okay, great. And it kind of started up like, and it didn't really sound like, okay, this thing almost has a supercharger on top of the, you know, manifold. Like, okay, and it's cool. I enjoyed seeing it. Yep. I enjoyed seeing it fly through space and maneuvering and then him going to like, you know, hitting the nitrous basically. But like, I want to hear it more. I want to feel it. I want to be there. And I was cranking it up too. It just didn't seem, it seemed like some of the sound effects were a bit shallow. I'm surprised to hear you say that because I mean, I, I know I wasn't watching it as loudly as you. And, um, what, you know, when I was listening to it here, uh, I didn't have any complaints. I mean, the, mm. and again, the N one starfighter is not one that has, it's not like the millennium Falcon that has that oh, sure, super bass growl to it or anything like that. It's actually a very sleek sure, uh, ship yeah, that has course. more of a smoother kind of sound to it, but they so, beefed it up. They, they hopped it up. They modified it. Um, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, they, they put some, some other types of parts in there, but I mean, it's it was mostly the same type of ship. I mean, like, it's, again, I mean, I, I think I, I think it's it's mm-hmm. the wrong expectation to, like, again, you, you're thinking of it in terms of Earth, like, you know, oh, if I got this roadster car, <laughs> if I put a big old block in it, it's going to roar. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going to be like that. Again, a long time ago in a I, galaxy far, far away. I get it, but they made a point. <laughs> they made a point to say how how cool and fast and like hopped up it was. It just didn't sound that way. I want to. I mean, but maybe to them, hopped up and fast. Mm. Everything else is different in a long time ago. A galaxy far, yeah. far away. Okay, Russ. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if you had a, a blaster, right? You had a blaster. You're like this thing. I can shoot the fleas off a dog's back from 600 yards. Tannin. I don't know what 600 yards. But then, like, you know, you want to, like, uh, you know, you want to, like, feel it. If it just kind of went, you know, you'd be like, oh, that's it? Really? Come on. Come on. Give me some little more. I don't know. I'm just saying that there was scenes in there that I, I, I thought that someone on the old soundboard could have gone, 
crank them up a little bit. Fair enough. Okay. There you go. Thank you. That's all I wanted to say. <clears throat> when it comes to actually the sound itself, oh, um, now we're getting serious. Th- the music, yes, was also a surprise to me. Mm. You know, and more specifically, the theme song. You know, kind of like the. <laughs> you know, someone's going to take like a freeze frame of us and these faces and we're going to become memes like on the internet. I don't know if I want to see that. Right? Anyway, I thought it was kind of surprising that they decided to go with that type of thing. I understand... <laughs> to a certain extent that, you know, the Mandalorian show has a, I would say within the ballpark of the same type of sound or style of song. And it actually works very well with the Mandalorian, in my opinion. Again, though, this is the book of Boba Fett. And I think this is also an example of how you have the creators. I mean, you have John Favreau and company and they're wonderfully talented people and everything else. But I also think, too, that, that they, they've created this world, and it, it's a spaghetti western world. Sure. However, what's interesting, though, is that the Mandalorian show is the spaghetti western. Mando is the spaghetti western cowboy guy, right? Boba Fett is a very different animal. Very different. And... It's interesting because they're clearly, you know, bridging these two worlds or having crossovers, okay. that, you know, that sort of thing. But I just feel like there should have been a different <clears throat> approach to the theme song of Book of Boba Fett. What do you what do you think? Um, Something a bit more galactic, bounter, huntery, mm. shrouded in mystery. You you talking like you wanted something quieter? if I want it necessarily quieter, it could be a little quieter or it could be the opposite of quiet. I think that, you know, when, when you think of a character like Boba Fett, you got, one of the things that, that I always like to think about when it comes to applying like a hero's or let's just say a character's theme, right? Like in John Williams is, was one of the best at this, right? Which, you know, if you look at the star Wars soundtracks, you have Yoda theme, you have Leia's theme, You've got um, the Imperial March, you know, like, mm. like these identifiers that very much fit. Like you look at what's going on and the music that accompanies it is synonymous with, you know, they just, it's like peas and carrots, you know, this is great. So when I think of like Boba Fett, like I think of something that also reflects and identifies with the different attributes that Boba Fett is known for. Uh, okay. I see that. Now, I can't, like, just, you know, instantly come up with, like, this is precisely the sound of it. Yeah, like, what it, <laughs> yeah. it would be. Um, write some music for us, bro. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, what what do you think of that? Do you Did you <clears throat> like the theme song of the Book of Boba Fett, or did you not care for it? Or what, no, what are your thoughts? I, I liked it. I mean, I didn't want it to be the same theme song as The Mandalorian, um, which we didn't get. I really didn't know. I mean, I don't know how they do this stuff. But, I mean, it was memorable. It wasn't terrible. Um, I mean, it's, it's something that they could show the credits with like the, the artwork that they yeah. had to show significant scenes in the episode. So, I mean, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, okay. yeah. Okay. Well, that was fine. I also wanted to pivot from that over to, oh. um, the sand people and more specifically oh. kind of like the Tuscan Raiders. 
Oh, good job. You remembered. Thanks. I'm so proud of them. They grow up so fast. Yeah. It's interesting how there has been more and more of a, an emphasis or focus on these stories being told in Moss Espa or Moss Eisley, more roundly, pun intended, the planet of Tatooine. Ah. If you think about like the amount of stories that are told, even like when you think of like Star Wars Episode Seven, for instance. Well, I mean, kind of to a certain extent with uh, you know eight, nine, but mostly seven. There's always this kind of return back to Tatooine, which is interesting when you think about how Tatooine is on the outer rim. Like it's, if you think of, of the Star Wars galaxy, it's it, you know I think Luke was even describing it as like you know the 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 place furthest from the sun kind of thing, you know, like, like it's, it's a desolate place. It's not yeah. meant to like be the epicenter it's made of sand of all these things going on. And so um, that was something that, that I also found myself thinking about where in this instance, it makes sense because Boba is taking over Jabba's palace. Clearly he's going to be in Tatooine. However, the amount of time that is spent within Tatooine you know, that's, that's where, I, where I feel like there were, once again, some missed opportunities because if we were to take my idea of the flashbacks where, like, we all are suddenly, like, we're not on Tatooine at all, like, like flashbacks onto who knows what kind of planets within the galaxy of Star Wars, sure. that would provide a whole lot more uh, feast for the eyes. It would. No, for sure. I think maybe they'll do some more of that when they have a bigger budget. I mean, I, I totally... Yes, that is a fantastic idea. I wish they did that. But I think also the, the, the staying on Tatooine is budget constraints too. Because, like, sure. you know, I mean, they got to work with what they have. So, yeah. I mean, we, we spent a ton of time on Tatooine with the regular Star Wars. We spent a ton, a ton of time on Tatooine with Mandalorian. And now we're still on Tatooine. Like, what we got a whole galaxy out there. What else we got? Right. Um, plus, we had that just all the greenery where... Uh, Luke was training Grogu. Yes. Got that one right too. And that was really refreshing, wasn't it? Just to like be on yeah, a different planet and see the, this really cool change up that, that was happening. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I, and I hope they, they have a change of heart for like the, you know, the following seasons where we can see more of that. Cause yeah, if we're going to stay on Tatooine for this entire series. We're going to get like, we're, it's going to start to drop off pretty quick. And again, it, uh, that's why like I'm not like in firmly one camp or the other, mm. like because if told right, if the storytelling is quality, like mm. you could conjure up all kinds of scenarios that exist within Moss Espa, Moss Eisley, and, uh, and other places. I mean, again, this is an entire plan of Tatooine that mm. we really haven't explored. We've only been to Moss Espa and Moss Eisley, as far as I know. And actually, when I think about the Mandalorian show, Mando went to a lot of different planets. He did. He went to a lot of different places. They he had the budget did. for it. So I mean, there, <clears throat> there is that to consider. So I do want to actually do talk about some of the things about the show mm. that were quite honestly outstanding. Oh, we're shifting gears. We're shifting gears, yes. Mm. First of all... Cad Bane. Cad Bane, baby. And I'm going to keep staring at you mm. until I can tell that you know who I'm talking about. Who am I talking about, Steve? Is it the sheriff? No. Is it the, it's, oh, it's the Pike Syndicate guy. 
Which Pike Syndicate guy, Steve? With the blue face. You have chosen correctly. <laughs> hey, hey, we got to number three. Right How on earth could you man. not remember his name? He's so awesome. Well, there's a lot of awesome people in the show, Rez. I'm sorry. <sighs> nice cover there, Steve. Nice cover up. Mm. CYA. Was that all like uh, makeup or was that all? Yes. Ooh, makeup prosthetics. Bad. Yeah, see, that's why they had to stay on Tatooine, Russ. That's okay. where all the money went. I'm going to gush now because I feel like I've, I've done enough of the mm. like analyzing Negative and, and doing some constructive criticisms yeah. and stuff like that. Debbie Downer. Okay. I'm not a Debbie Downer. I just got to say it. Uh, Cad Bane also is a character that was um, from Star Wars Clone Wars. He's a well-known oh. character, super popular. The with, show we did not see. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, sweet. Awesome. And it's kind of funny in a way because it's like, on the one hand, it's like, ooh, like I wish I would have seen Star Wars Clone Wars because then I would have had all of this like kind of lead up yeah. into having this reveal in the show. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad that I didn't know. And then I'm like, ooh, who's this? Stranger coming up on uh, Freetown. Cowboy, yeah, coming up on Freetown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you, you? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder, like, what the Tatooine equivalent of a, um, what do you call them? Tumbleweed yeah. would be. I don't know. Anyway, I have got to say, this was a tremendous highlight of the the entire show which is crazy because cad bane was only in i think like two episodes right yeah should have been longer russ well should have been longer and see i actually liked how they they did wait to reveal his character until toward the end because again like you're like oh who's this definitely has tremendous amount of screen presence looks super cool i loved his voice too. His voice was perfect. The, the crazy slender build of the character. You know what, Steve? No, I don't. This is not like, like a total comparison, but I did think about Chaykon the forever man for the Sega Genesis. When I first <laughs> saw him, I was like, eh. that's a while ago. It was a while ago, man. And again, I don't want to get a bunch of hate email because obviously it's not like a carbon copy of Chaycon the Forever Man. I'm just saying there was a fleeting little like bloop that popped in my head because I loved me some Chaycon the Forever Man for the Sega Genesis. I never played it, Russ. I always watched what? you play. I didn't play it. Oh, watched you play it. It was the game where like you just you couldn't die. You just uh, hence kept the name spawning up and everything else. <laughs> like I'm back. <laughs> anyway, Cad Bane uh, was one of my absolute favorite characters ah. from Boba Fett. I thought yeah. he was terrific. What do you think, Steve? I think it was freaking awesome, Russ. I um, why do I get the feeling you're joshing me, Steve? I ain't joshing you. Mm. Um, I I was really impressed with the all the, the makeup effects. I mean, he yes, looked, he looked great. His um, teeth were like I don't know, like like the way chompers. Yeah, his chompers, and also like like the way that he was able to articulate his words despite having those crazy teeth and all the yeah. the other makeup effects. I'm like, dude, like I'm I'm buying this. I I am I am there. I, this is great. It took a little bit of practice, I assume. Although I'm not really too keen on the whole cowboy outfit. Well, I mean, it wasn't really a cowboy outfit. I mean, maybe he the was like in boots and a cowboy hat. And like the trench coat, he like whipped it aside. Had the revolver. I mean, okay, I get it. Like Western, sure, Spaghetti I get it. Western. Clint Eastwood, if he was a bad guy, 
he and he too is a bounty hunter. Even like the the pistol was like a revolver pistol grip. Yeah. And like he was just short of having spurs. Like no. even like the belt I think he wore was like, okay, too much of okay. He wasn't wearing chaps. <laughs> Or like a leather vest or he didn't have a scarf around his neck. I mean, like he was, he was a a bounty hunter and yes, they, they leaned a bit into the spaghetti Western because that's what the show is. Yeah. I would say the hat was probably the biggest thing that, that causes (laughs) one to think of like more of like a cowboy ish kind of thing. But I loved, I loved how he looked. I loved his demeanor. I loved his swagger. I mean, there was a lot there. I loved it. I'm not saying it was bad, Ross. I was thinking it was a, it's a tad over the top. Okay, That's all I'm saying. The next thing that I thought was fantastic about the show was okay. the Luke Skywalker episode. What I think is insane was that we got kind of a, a this big reveal aha moment at the end of the Mandalorian yeah. season two. Yeah, huge thing, and you're just like, whoa, this is insane. And now it's like the the effects of Luke's face look so good. Like there's like maybe a couple of instances where like it struggled a little bit, but I mean, honestly, that was more of a kind of a nitpick because honestly, I'm looking at him like, oh my gosh, that's Mark Hamill. Like that's it is. It's, his it's bo- like how Mark Hamill would look he's after in, Return of the Jedi. He's in the credits too. Like he was he did something. In that is episode. he? Yeah, he's in the credits. Oh, well, I have to take a little look see. Um, well, that's where all the budget went, Russ. So uh, you can kind of see all these awesome parts. You're like, yep, that's expensive. And that was expensive. <laughs> where are we going to sh- shoot the show? Yeah. Let's just put it on someplace basic. Where, where's a lot of sand that we've had yeah. in the previous Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> hey, isn't there some real popular movie where he takes place on a <laughs> desert planet and they mine spice? Yeah, spice like that dude movie. Um, <laughs> we just used the last set from the, <laughs> that sounds good. Let's do that. Yeah. That's what happened Russ. But yeah. that, that was the, ep- okay. Yeah. So it was cool, but it was totally like just split off from the rest of the show. So yeah, that, if you just take that whole segment and you put it into the Mandalorian, like season three or whatever, that would have been much more cool. But now we're like, we're looking at the whole episode and we're going, okay, when's Boba Vett coming back? When's Boba Vett? It's been a half an hour. Is he coming back in this? Did I click on the wrong show? What's happening? So yeah. It's so did you not like that? I thought the episode was cool, but it caused a bit conf- uh, some confusion. There, there was in the back of my mind as well as I was watching. I I was absolutely loving the episode. In fact, mm-hmm. it was like one of my favorite episodes of the show. Um, but at the same time, there was this kind of nagging thought in the back of my mind thinking about how episode five and to a large extent, episode six were not Book of Boba Fett episodes. Those were straight up Mandalorian episodes. And I feel as though, you know, like um, like when we first see Mando in episode five, he's on a bounty hunting mission, right? Like like you see him in some kind of like weird, like freezer meat factory thing or sure. whatever. And... I was giddy at seeing that first of all, because it was Mando, but also too, because he's doing bounty hunting. So in the book of Boba Fett, I want to see Boba go out and do some of that. Or maybe like, again, with with the whole flashback idea, be able to see some of those past adventures that Boba had. So like, it was like, they were kind of like satisfying my, my hunger to see something like that. But at the same time, it was still Mando doing the thing and not Boba. And I think one of the things that is a bit 
of a concern that I have is that I don't know if there will be a, like a season two of the book of Boba Fett. This may be like the one sh- like season ah. that talks about the book of Boba Fett and who knows like how we'll be able to, to get to know more about um, the, the man himself. I think there'll be another season. I think if they do another season, what they'll probably do is they might have him visit some other planets and, and visit some some other allies, like you were saying. Um, and they'll leave, you know, Tatooine alone for a little bit. Maybe he has to go get some more credits. He's got to pay all this stuff. He got to pay all the new muscle rush. Um, but I think, but towards the end of like episode seven, uh, what's his face? Uh, Blue Cowboy. Uh, Did you forget again? <laughs> <laughs> he says to him, "You're a killer." His name is Cad Bane. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm gonna name my future with child me. that Cad, Cad Bane. Cadbury. Cad Bane. <laughs> right, they do make good chocolate. Ah, no, not sponsored by Cadbury. Um. But so he says, like, you're a killer. You, you, and this is not you being soft. He's in because they had that whole exchange, like, yes. oh, you're getting old, you're getting soft in your old age. He's like, oh, we all do. That was cool, by the I'll way. I'll stop now. <laughs> I just have to say, that was really cool because they did, in fact, acknowledge within that one line that Cad Bane said that Bubba was old. He was getting older. Continue, Steve. As if we couldn't tell already. Rusty's not as well, but again, like, up until that moment, I didn't know if like the filmmakers were just hoping that people would forgive that. Like, well, it's kind of a technicality because you know we just couldn't do the show until now, and uh, if we did it like you know back when the actor was doing the prequels, then obviously he would be younger, yada yada. So, but they they straight up, yeah, they they called it. They did. Yeah. So they, he says that you know you, you're getting old and you're getting soft in your old age. Yeah. And so then when he's just about to pull the killing trigger mm. and blow his face out. Yeah. Actually, was Execution it his face or his lungs? I couldn't yeah. tell. Oh, come on, Ross. He was standing right over. He's going to shoot him in the eyeball. No, he, I think he had his gun pointed at his ribs, like behind his armor. Did you notice that? No. Whoa. Maybe it was a soft spot. Like maybe where it was just like cloth and cotton, like right here. And he's like, ah, that ain't best guy. Here's laser eat right through that. I have a feeling, I, I want to <laughs> say he had his foot on Boba's forearm to prevent uh-huh. him from moving that up. Mm-hmm. And then he had his blaster like kind of like on his like side, like pointing the barrel into his like, ribs. Like right here. Like, yeah. I have to watch it again. Oh no, I'll just have to watch that awesome episode again. Hey, or you can just put a free frame like right on the thing. Oh, there you go, Steve. So he, so, I mean, that whole scene was cool because he flipped out and under from his boot and grabbed his Tuscan bow and then did a little Donatello buduka and then stabbed him. And I was like, yes, you know, you're the only little, there's just, mm, I'm not, I don't need all the blood and guts, but I do want destruction and some violence if I'm going to watch a bounty hunter, Boba Fett, Mandalorian at show. You know what I mean, Russ? It can't be all puppy dogs and candy canes. It's got to be some <laughs> slapping you in the face. Well, I don't think it, like, the show was pup, puppies and candy canes. I, no, I'm not, <clears throat> not saying it was, Russ. I'm just uh, saying. I, I, your words I, I, I want them, 
I just, I'm just saying I like that scene. Uh-huh. I okay. do too. I mean, I love that scene actually. Even when the Rancor was was riding around, I'm like, dude, the thing has got to eat somebody. It's got to eat somebody. There you go, ADD again. Let us focus on Cad Bane. So anyhow, for a little bit longer because I totally agree, Steve. I absolutely love that scene. And what was interesting about it was that Cad Bane actually brought out some interesting things about Boba Fett. First of all. Some of the dialogue that was being exchanged was how Cad Bane was causing Boba to actually like kind of look himself in the mirror and realize that, you know, despite like all of this kind of like more do-goodery that he's doing that like, you know, deep down inside, he is still a killer. He will always be a killer and essentially was doing the classic villain thing of espousing truth about someone and not only was he doing that, but then also in that same scene, we see how the, the rearing of the sand people actually is what saved him. How, and, and that acted as kind of like a coming of full circle with that, that particular storyline where like he was able to use his, uh, I think it's called a bantha stick or bantha stick, something like that. Bantha stick. Sure. Russ. Can I finish my idea? I thought you were done. I'm sorry. No, you just jumped in over me and was my bigger brother. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> Um, so you have, so you hit that, they had that whole dialogue of him like growing soft. And of course he didn't like that. He's like, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not the soft you think I am. Plus you have at the very, very end, at post credits, you have the sheriff who's in the, the tank getting healed up and he, then the, the Whoa. cyberpunk guy. Wait a minute. There's a post credit scene. Oh, <laughs> 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 I watched the credits and I didn't see any post credit scene. You didn't watch it long enough, Rush. <sighs> no, I'm Twitter painted. You didn't watch it long enough. So, well, don't tell me what happens okay, in that because so, I won't be surprised. Anyhow, okay, I won't tell you. So, but what I will say is there's characters who can remain in Tatooine and carry on the legacy or what, what we have started. And Boba Fett can go elsewhere in seasons to come. True. And Tatooine and Jawa's Palace will be well taken care of. That's True. all I wanted to say for the last 15 minutes. Oh, well, thank, thank you for sharing that, Steve. Exhausted. <sighs> yeah, I can tell you. Man. You feel like you've gotten something off your chest. Mm. I can breathe again. Uh, last, but certainly not least, w- was in fact the whole Rancor scene. Like I wanted to, the entire time he had the rancor in the palace. I was thinking, man, like surely like they're going to use that thing at some point in time. He's not going to be just for like hapless victims that fall victim to the trap door. And they did, they did use the rancor and I found it very satisfying. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a great visual to be able to see Boba Fett with like kind of the chain leash and guiding the, the this pup rancor around and and that whole sequence was was just it was fan service it was exactly what I wanted to see I was very pleased and happy with that and honestly too I really liked the different well let me back up just a bit I really liked how the story um, finished with how it was literally like all of these different town leaders were in on it like they were all like in cahoots with each other basically trying to run Boba Fett out of town and that sort of thing as all great spaghetti Western stories are about. And so that was also really, really cool to see that it was great to see all this stuff coming together. And, um, 
again, like you said, like, you know, had, the Rancor had kind of a little mini King Kong moment and even like some of the, the, the droid action that we saw, I thought was really cool. And I enjoyed watching Mando fight alongside Boba Fett. I thought there were many sequences where like, you know, you're seeing them get shot like tons and tons of times. I'm like, I actually really like that because most of the time it's like, Oh, Oh, close miss. Oh, you know, but, but they were like straight up, like getting shot. And it was the coolest thing, like seeing like how their armor was so effective and not only that, that, but then like, once again, like the Wookiee black Cranston was coming in and like, um, loving like every shot with that. He wasn't CG too, was he? No, man, that was freaking awesome. And uh, you know what? Honestly, oh, that was good. The actor that um, portrayed um, that, you know, that, that particular character did such a wonderful job. I feel as though ever since Peter Mayhew passed away and was no longer able to, to reprise his role as Chewbacca, I've, I've kind of wondered like, okay, how, how on earth can we continue this? Because the, the Wookiee species is such a cool like part of star Wars. And I would hate for that to just kind of go by the wayside. And now we have this character coming in. There's this other Wookiee and the actor just totally just, just did a fantastic job. Yeah, absolutely. Need an episode more with him, Russ. Need to go back to his planet. Maybe save the day, make a few more friends. That'd be cool. I think I like it where it is, where he's, kind of a gun for hire he's a glad he's a he's kind of like a well a, a well-known gladiator and uh who knows what'll happen as a result of that we were you know just, i think it's really cute steve oh, is that our arms are bent in the same direction it's almost like we're <laughs> brothers <laughs> we were just fantasizing about visiting other planets russ why would we not visit the wookie planet planet wookie well I mean, maybe you could could always do oh, that. yeah, it's whatever, Steve. It's you know? no. Well, I, I'm just gonna say that you know, the uh, what is the pl- the Wookiee planet's name, Steve Cranston? No, <laughs> it's Kashyyyk. Oh, okay, I was close. <sighs> well, I think it's about time to be able to give our. Rating. Sure, yeah, Russ. And final thoughts. Steve, why don't you go ahead and kick uh, it off? You know, okay, so um, you kind of brought me down a little bit from what I was going to rate it, Russ, but you have <laughs> valid points. Uh, maybe I, I think I got here and I was just on a high from watching episode seven. Totally. And so I was a bit enthusiastic, but you brought me down to level. Really? Well, I love you and mm-hmm. I hate you. <laughs> um. So, yeah, no, just to kind of sum up why I've been trying to, you know, jump in between your uh, your notes. Um, I really like the show. I, I enjoyed it quite immensely. Uh, there was things they did that um, I just loved. I, I loved all the, the scenes with the Tuscan people, and um, I love seeing the Mandalorian, uh, the Mandalorian, but <laughs> Boba Fett, <laughs> frick. Um, but anyway... It sounded uh, like the, your wife just then. The show, the show was not long enough. I thought they did. They didn't do as deep of a dive as they could have. Um, I don't know. I I really enjoyed it. I wish they explored more. I wish they went to different places. Uh, I wish they did more with the other characters that they had. The characters they did give us, I really appreciated, but uh, it just wasn't enough. Mm. But uh, it leaves me hungry for more. 
And so uh, I would say, as you're scratching the fleas off your neck, <laughs> uh, I'd give it a four. Four out of five stars from this Q-tip of a man. Interesting. Q-tip or Q-ball? I don't know. Well, Take your pick. Q-tip would be the chin. Q-ball would be the noggin. There you go. Mm. Well, for me, <clears throat> keep it short and simple, Ross. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, again, I, I'm still processing through quite a bit. I think that there was a lot to like about this show in particular. I do think that the show started out weaker, but then finished really strong. <clears throat> okay. I do think that now having kind of the, the, the full vision of what the creators were wanting to do as opposed to having like a fragmented view being like say three episodes in or something like that. I could appreciate like what it was that they were trying to do in terms of having that, that whole coming full circle thing go on. Um, I absolutely loved Cad Bane. I thought that that was a fantastic character. Really the characters like Cad Bane, um, or a black, uh, I was going to say it's Chrysanthemum, Chrysanthemum. I don't know the, the, the new Wookiee, um, <laughs> as well as Finnick. Like these, some of these names are hard to pronounce, but anyway, like knowing that, that these characters exist within the comic books and Star Wars Clone Wars, like I, it makes me really <laughs> want to watch, you know, Star Wars Clone Wars, for example, sure. and, and get more of, of just those characters. Cause I find them very interesting. I do think as I've talked about already about how, I do wish that that there would have been different approaches to um, some of the ideas that they had. Because I do think that, that there were a lot of really good ideas. I just feel like the way they decided to go about executing on those ideas could have been done better. Mm. I do wonder like what is in store for Boba Fett going forward. Mm. Because even if they don't have a season two for the book of Boba Fett, this is a character that they can totally use. Like if they wanted to use him more in the Mandalorian or in other types of, of future Star Wars projects, I think that would be wonderful because we've barely scratched the surface of who Boba Fett is, what he's capable of. And not only that, but like just really, I, I, I would love to see more of... Mm not necessarily an origin story, but just more of like his previous adventures, his previous experiences, that sort of thing. I feel as though this is more of a, of a focus within the spaghetti Western thing that the Mandalorian did so well. And I just, I feel like, like we still need to see Boba Fett bloom a bit more, if that makes any sense. As a result, I think I'm going to give the book of Boba Fett Three stars. Three. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sure, Ross. Three stars. Great. Three out of five, Steve. Mm. Actually, you know what? I'm going to change it. 3.5. Mm. I think it's more fair. 3.5. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Indeed. All right. You heard it here. Good job. <clears throat> Thank you. What do I get? Uh, golden star. <laughs> That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoy this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll gain exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it continues financially helping us do this show. 
Also, make sure you click on that subscribe button and the notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm. It drops once a week every week. And while you're at it, you can do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. We're on just about all of them. And so, you know, you won't, don't want to miss out on some of the goodies that we put up on there. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will look forward to hanging out with all of you again next week.